everyone. Welcome to the Music Room. This is episode 30, and I'm excited to talk to you today about the OAKE conference and to do a little reflection on the sessions I went to and how everything went. Um, I have to kind of laugh at myself because in the last podcast episode, I had talked about how I thought I could sit down with some people, like some of my good friends that were there, and we could reflect like as the conference was going on. But truth be told, because I was co-chairing the conference with my good friend Carla Chewinski, who has been on the podcast before, I we were just entirely too busy to sit down and talk. Like it was just go, 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 go from morning until like midnight at least every night. So um, I didn't get, get a chance to do that. And then I got home on Sunday and wanted to sleep for a few days. <laughs> so I kind of just took some time to chill out and relax. And now I'm finally sitting down and really reflecting on the conference. So I apologize that it has been a while since I published a podcast episode, but that's why I've been a little bit busy. All right, now before I get into the conference reflection and wrap up, I wanted to read another review that someone left in iTunes for the podcast. I've been reading reviews in the last few podcast episodes, and I just really appreciate when people take time to review the podcast. So this one is uh, written by someone that I know, but I'm not sure who it is because it says... I loved working with Aileen on the OAKE National Board, and I'm so pleased to have found her podcast. I've just returned to the elementary music classroom after nearly 20 years. The materials, resources, ideas, and guest podcasters have reminded me of some great pedagogical gems and introduced me to many more. So thank you so much. I wish I knew who this was that wrote this uh, review because it's obviously someone that I know, but again, I really appreciate it that feedback. So make sure if you haven't yet, go to uh, iTunes and leave a review if you haven't so that more music educators can find the podcast. All right, so OAKE conference wrap up. So just a little bit about the OAKE conference if you haven't been to it before. OAKE stands for the Organization of American Code Educators, and we have a conference every year, um, and we rotate two different divisions in the country. So this year it was in the Midwest, um, but we rotate, you know, Southern, Western, Midwestern, and Eastern. So we have four different divisions that we rotate to. So this year was the um, Midwest turn. And like I said, Carla and I co-chaired it, which means for the last two years, we asked several people to be on a committee with us, and we've been having many discussions, um, most of them over email, about the um, vision of the conference, the theme, the logo, who was going to be the keynote speaker, who would do the mini conference, what the session lineup would look like, and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, the themes for the Friday night event and Saturday night event. So as a committee, we were really able to kind of steer the conference theme and uh, the conference overall the way that we envisioned it. So it's just so cool to watch everything come to fruition when you've been discussing all of these ideas for the last two years and then you're able to see how everything pans out. So it was a lot of work, but it was so much fun. And, you know, Carla and I are a great team and I was really happy to be able to do it with her. All right, so I'm just going to kind of go through the conference 
like chronologically. Um, now, keep in mind that because I was co-chair, I didn't get to go to every single session because sometimes I had to make sure that, you know, equipment was where it needed to be or volunteer. Everything was, you know, going well with all the different aspects of the conference. But I was able to go to quite a few sessions. So I'm just going to kind of give you the highlights of what I went to. Okay, so the conference officially started um, last Thursday. And I actually started working with my former teacher, Joan Littman. She was my level three teacher at Capitol, and she's just such an amazing teacher. I really loved having her as a teacher, but she asked if she could work with my class as a demo class. So that session happened Friday of the conference. So on Tuesday and Wednesday before the conference, Joan was in town. Uh, she came to Delaware, Ohio and worked with my students for an hour and 15 minutes on one day and an hour and 15 minutes on the next. And I had prepared them with several songs beforehand and it worked out beautifully because the class that she was working with is just a great class, they're really sweet. And it's the class that I see twice every rotation or kind of like every five days instead of once. So Katie and I have talked about our schedule is a little bit unique that usually for third and fourth grade, um, like they'll come to me once every rotation for 50 minutes. And then the second time they have music, that rotation, they go to Katie. I have one third grade class and one fourth grade class that both come to me twice every rotation. And so this is one of those classes. So she was able to come and work with them. And it was just such a joy to see her again, but also to watch her work with my students. She just has kind of like a magical way um, about her when she teaches that, I don't know, it it just kind of like, it's so captivating that kids just quiet down and listen to her, you know? And obviously she just has so much knowledge. She's a world traveler and um, such an expert on music of many cultures. Um, and I will talk about the session in a little bit here and how all of that went, but that's kind of how I started really diving into the conference is by working with Joan for a couple days um, before the conference officially started. On Thursday, the mini conference, so there were actually two presentations as part of the mini conference. There was an elementary mini conference with Leanne Montgarner, and then there was a secondary mini conference with Eva Floyd, which I really loved that. Um, we had both offerings because I think sometimes people look at the Kodai philosophy as just being an elementary philosophy. So it was really great that we had an elementary presentation and a secondary presentation because Carla and I were able to kind of float in and out of both sessions. And the elementary session was really well attended. And the secondary, I, I want to say there were at least 30 people there. So I was really happy that people who are secondary teachers were able to really have their needs met and, you know, get um, strategies that would work in their classrooms. So like I said, I wasn't able to sit and stay for the whole mini conference with Leanne, but what I stayed for was great. She had a lot of songs that I had just never seen before. And um, after, you know, this is my 20th year of teaching and I've seen a lot of songs. So that was really cool to see her material and to see some different games that I hadn't seen before. It was just a really fun, hands-on, you know, try out some different songs and games. And of course she had st strategies for assessment and for, 
you know, vocal exploration and solo singing and all that good stuff. So that was great to see. And then we had the opening ceremony, which started with a band called the Super Fun Band. So fun. They're like this three-man band that um, Carla is friends with, um, at least one of the people in the band. And um, I guess they play at a lot of Ohio State, like, tailgating events and stuff. But they started off just kind of like in the um, foyer, like lobby um, in front of the ballroom. And they were just playing really fun songs like um, the Mario theme, like Super Mario Brothers theme and the Simpsons, you know, just fun stuff like that. And then once the opening ceremony officially started and we started what we call our virtual banner parade, because instead of having people come in with physical banners, they just had um, a slideshow, which represented all the different chapters. And then the chapters stood up when their chapter name was called. Um, but the super fun band really gave it that parade feel because they like marched down the aisle, um, kind of like New Orleans style. It was really cool. Um, so that was really neat. And then Fernando Melvar Ruiz did the keynote speech, and he was also a former teacher of mine at Capital University. He, I um, had him for two years of musicianship and um, I think also a couple years of conducting. And he's just such a fabulous teacher and such a kind person. And I was so excited to hear his keynote. And it was just so inspiring. The biggest things that I took away from the speech, he talked about the power of kindness um, in your interactions with students and obviously said it more eloquently than I'm saying right now, but gave some specific examples of being kind to students versus using fear. Um, to get what you want from students. And I just thought it was really powerful the way that he worded it. And he also was vulnerable enough to offer a, a few stories of, you know, how he had made mistakes in his teaching. And I think that's also so powerful because I just feel like sometimes we as teachers are afraid to admit that we make mistakes and we want to look like we're always perfect and don't want to admit that we had a misstep along the way, but of course we all have missteps. We've all made mistakes um, in our teaching and we've all had those lessons that um, are crashing and burning. Um, and so he was vulnerable enough to tell us about those stories and it was just so relatable. But then talking about what he learned from those experiences and how, you know, they made him a better teacher. And I just, I really appreciated everything he had to say. The New World Singers of the Columbus Children's Choir sang. They were the opening concert for the opening ceremony. And, of course, they were just so masterful in their singing and just beautiful. So that was the opening ceremony, just a great way to start the conference. All right, so now I'm going to go on to, like, the first official day with lots of sessions, which was Friday. That morning, I went to the administrator program breakfast, which I had never been to before, but because, you know, we're pretty local to the conference. Um, my principal wanted to come see the demo session. So I was like, well, great. We're actually having this administrative program breakfast. If you're interested in coming, that would be cool. So he agreed to it. And Carla also had her administrator there. And then several other teachers, music teachers had their administrators. And it was such a great discussion that we had. It was just started off with us, you know, eating breakfast and that was good, having coffee. And um, and then there was a presentation um, just with like an overview of the Code of Philosophy. 
And then we had this discussion and that was the part that I felt like was really powerful um, because the um, Brenda, who was leading the um, discussion aspect of it, was just asking questions to the administrators. It was a really great discussion. My principal started speaking about how important it is for music teachers to be advocates, which he um, used to be the curriculum, the director of elementary curriculum in my district before he became principal. And we would come to him and advocate for ourselves, uh, whether it be we, you know, wanted a course, just like the classroom teachers had a course about, let's say, blueprinting, we wanted a course like that. So, and there were other instances where we went to him and and advocated for ourselves. And I think that's something that um, music teachers, I find, in talking to people are often um, hesitant to do. But I think it really is important. um, When I talk to people about why they aren't asking their principal for a resource or for help or for support. On the surface, it looks like they're scared to talk to their administrator because they're just assuming they're going to um, say no, or maybe they're a little bit afraid of their administrator. But I think sometimes they just don't know how to phrase it. They don't know how to say it. And, And in reality, the administrator would listen and would say, yeah, that sounds like a great idea, you know? So, and I think there's a fine line between advocating for yourself and being too pushy, because I have seen some teachers be too pushy too. But I I think it's just good food for thought that, um, you know, your administrator wants the best for your students. And if you think you have something um, that you need or um, support that you need so that your students can get what they need, then you need to advocate for yourself. So it was a really great discussion. And and also just about like, um, what about Kodai and really other active music making approaches, um, like that balance of concentration, relaxation, and fostering to different learning styles and that kind of thing, how that really transcends music, the music classroom, and would work really well in a general classroom too, in a grade level classroom too. So just really great discussions. I appreciated that. So by the time I was done with the administrator program breakfast, um, a session had already happened that um, I didn't get to go to. And then I knew my students were coming pretty soon after that. So I had to make sure everything was ready for that. Um, And they got there on the bus. I met them as they got off the bus and my principal was there as well. And they were of course so excited. Um, And we walked them to another room where they were able to warm up with Joan. They um, were able to see Emily, who has been on the podcast before. Emily Karst um, was their teacher last year, so they were really excited to see her. And then they were able to do some warm-up with Joan and, you know, sing through some songs and kind of rehearse, you know, where we were going when and where they were standing and all that kind of stuff now that they were actually in the space. And then it started. Uh, Then we had uh, the... The session. So I was really happy with the way it went. So the session was called Turning the Kaleidoscope, the Well-Tuned Hand. And it was really about looking at the context of the songs that you're teaching and making sure that you're not just, you know, teaching the song as is and not really discussing the meaning, but really sharing the context with students. And, And I think it's something that grade level teachers do all the time. They talk about context all the time. And I, you know, 
truth be told, I, I feel like after having this experience with Joan that I really could have been doing that more. That was something that I was probably missing out on a little bit. And some of that is just we have such little time with students. But the strategies and the ideas that she were she was sharing would be so easy to put in. It wouldn't take that much time. So, for example, we did the song Tula Mama, which you can actually find on her website, which I will put in the show notes, but her website is www.joanlitman.com, and she has a couple, I believe a couple of renditions of Tula Mama, um, and she has recordings and notation on her website. And um, so that song is actually from South Africa. And it's a song that, it's a lullaby, but it's actually sung to mothers who um, have potentially like lost a child doing mining work. So it's kind of a, you know, a shift on the typical lullaby where a mother sings to a child. This is actually people singing to a mother to calm her. And in preparation for working with her, we had a discussion in class. We're in Ohio and not too far from where, you know, people have mined. And um, a lot of my students did know of relatives. They might have been like the great, great, great grandfather or, you know, great, great uncle or whatever who were minors. And so we brainstormed a list in class of all of the people who were minors. And and it was like a kind of a nice way to honor those people as we were singing the song. Um, During the session, um, a student of mine and I had like this, these polls with the names of all of the relatives and we kind of processed in as the students were singing. So that was pretty powerful too. So that's just one example of just having that discussion with students about mining instead of just teaching the song. It's like kind of like a call response song. So just instead of teaching the song and briefly talking about what the song is about, really relating it to their lives. Um, Who Killed Cock Robin was another one we did, which I introduced with the book by Kevin O'Malley, which is one of my all-time favorites. And it's not in print anymore, but you can find it. I'll try to find a link and put that in the show notes. Um, Hopefully I can find one that's not too expensive, but it is so worth it. I absolutely love that book. Um, So I introduced the song Who Killed Cock Robin with that book. But then um, Joan was talking in the session about how like, so we performed it for the session. And then she she was talking with the session attendees about how um, you could lead into, you know, all the different roles and responsibilities that people have when someone has died and how people help. You know, one person might play the music at the funeral. Another person might cook food for the family. Um which, you know, she's so masterful in, you know, discussing and using songs that maybe some people shy away from. But I really think it's so important that we don't shy away from that because death happens. You know, there was actually a death in my school of a parent a couple weeks ago. And the kids know about it and they, they, they need to process through all of that. You know, if we don't talk about it, then I think it's more confusing to them. So so some of the songs that she did, yeah, when you're talking about like Tula Mama was a song where, you know, a mother's child has died and who killed Cock Robin, an animal has died. Um, so 
it was just awesome to see her not only add context, but there was another song that was a Kurdish folk song that um, we we had them sing it in English, um, but it's about kind of like sneaking out on the rooftops and meeting a friend. And she had my students act that out with like little LED candles and acting out like the A section was they were really happy and excited to meet their friend. And then the B section was they were really scared. And then they went back and sang A again. So it was ABA and they were happy and they found their friend and she had all the students partner up um, and they kind of run off together. And I just think anything like that where you can add drama to a song and again, give it context related to their lives. It's awesome to be able to do that. Um, My students had a great time. They were really well behaved. I was um, super excited about how everything went. I was really nervous, but they did really well. Um, And it was, of course, just such a joy to work with her. All right. So after I did that, I went to lunch and relaxed a little bit. And then I was able to go to a ukulele session with Allison Lewis and Rebecca Juarez. And that was so great. Um, They both presented about how they teach ukulele, or I guess I should say ukulele. And um, they had a different way of teaching chords and um, teaching root melodies that I had never thought to do, um, where like... Um, Allison, when she presented, talked about how she does a lot of work with root melodies where students are singing like the root of the chord um, as an accompaniment to the song. And then she transfers that to ukulele. And uh, it was just a really different, I had never thought to do that. So I'm excited to kind of wrap my mind around how I can try that with my students with ukulele. Um, They also shared a really helpful packet with lots of goodies One of the things I absolutely loved was there was an assessment checklist um, of simple to more advanced tasks for ukulele. And I, I just, I have had a hard time kind of wrapping my mind around like how exactly can I assess ukulele? So this was like a really clear and concise, like I'll, I'll probably adapt it a little bit, but it was really like, like I said, from simple to more advanced of, you know, students being able to just check off. Yes, I can do this. Yes, I can do this. It was really cool. All right, and then the last session of that day was with Tom Mahalik, who's a friend of mine, and he discussed long-range planning, um, which is a passion of mine, but I, of course, it's just so great to see someone else discuss it because not only is it validating, but it also gives you a different perspective on how to build your year plan, how to build your individual lesson plans, when to lesson plan, you know, like all those great topics. He had a few new songs in his session that I hadn't seen before, so that was really cool. So he showed, you know, these great songs and then related that to, and here's how you put them into your year plan or your individual, you know, weekly lesson plans. So really cool to see. All right, so that was it as far as sessions on Thursday. Like I said, there were a few sessions that I just didn't get to go to, but still I was able to go to quite a bit considering um, how much you know, behind the scenes kind of work I had to do. So I was really happy about that. That evening, we had a hoedown with some square dancers from Westerville, Ohio. So it was really cool. They um, square danced on their own. Well, everybody kind of like ate some food and had some drinks and we're just watching them. And then um, they invited people to square dance with, with them. I didn't get to do that. I 
kind of got distracted with something else and people went out there and I missed the whole thing, but it was really fun to watch. Um, yeah, so that was really cool. And that was Thursday. All right, moving on to Friday. I was only able to go to maybe like 20 minutes of my friend Janelle Bjorklund's session about culturally responsive teaching. Um, but I really appreciated the discussions that were happening in that session. I feel like in the world and in our country lately, there have been so many issues um, that have happened that really deserve thoughtful discussion about how we address these issues as teachers and as musicians and as parents. Um, so I was just happy to be sitting in the room and hearing discussions about how you addressed certain issues. Um, and she had some really great videos and songs and picture books that she used to have those discussions. So I, I really appreciated that. The session I went to after that was with Lucia Schaefer about self-differentiation. And this is the second time I've seen Lucia present, and I really appreciate that she's an outside-of-the-box thinker. I think we need that. And uh, she was discussing kind of like using a different model to your lesson plan um, and comparing it to like Readers and Writers Workshop, I believe. Hopefully I'm not misspeaking there. And um, instead of, you know, having this, at times I think um, if you're not careful with Kodai Inspired Teaching, it can feel kind of like um, teacher-centered some of the time, a lot of the time, if you're not careful. Um, and that whole class teaching is important. Like you do have to do that. But that's why I've dived a lot into centers and um having students choose centers and I've tried a few different lesson models myself um, to make sure that there is voice and choice and so a lot of her session was yeah how to give students choice about what they're studying with music and how to structure your lesson plans differently so I just think it's good food for thought you know something to think about especially if you have a grade level or a particular class that you're finding what you're doing just isn't working. And there are classes like that. There are grades like that where what you've always done and what has always been successful for some reason isn't working. So I think it's just good to kind of explore other models and see what might work instead. All right. And then um, I was able to watch the participant choir rehearsal. Um, it was like a demo session. So um, it was with Fernando Melvar Ruiz. He was the conductor of the participant choir. And I actually was supposed to be in the participant choir. Like I, I planned to do it. Um, but then a couple of things came up where I realized I was going to miss at least one, if not two rehearsals. And I just thought, you know, with everything I have on my plate, I, I think I should probably just not do it, which I was sad to miss out on that experience. But probably for my own sanity, it was probably a good thing to just take that off of my plate. But a, lot of, a few of my friends were in the uh, participant choir, and I heard so many great things about it. And um, it was really cool to see him just run a rehearsal and just see like the gentle way in which he approached criticism. Um, and to watch his conducting gestures, he's just such a joy to watch as a conductor. So it was great. And then I went to Liza Meyer's Tycho Sing Dance and Play session. 
So Liza actually spent, I believe, a year, uh, hopefully, again, I'm not misspeaking, in Japan and um, gathered quite a few folk songs and did a lot of study with that. So it was cool that she had so much knowledge about it. So she shared a few new Japanese folk songs that, again, I had never heard of. And then she started discussing bucket drumming or taiko drumming, but through buckets. So if you're not aware of this whole like bucket drumming idea, it's awesome. I've done it for several years. You can just get buckets from like Lowe's or Home Depot. And sometimes you can even get them for free. Um, if you talk to your custodians and they use buckets for waxing, sometimes they just get rid of the buckets when they're done. So you might want to talk to your um, custodian. And then you can get like, you could use rhythm sticks, but they, you know, if, if you want something a little bit heavier and sturdier, you could get dowels and just like cut them to a certain size. There are quite a few if you, you know, search YouTube for bucket drumming, I also have um, a blog post that I can link to in the show notes that um, has a few bucket drumming exercises um, and information. But anyway, she shared a, a few different um, activities with bucket drumming and pieces, one that she composed but was like inspired by Japanese taiko drumming, which was really cool, and also used the book 10 Oni Drummers um, to introduce bucket drumming and have students create and compose their own patterns. It was really cool, really fun session. All right. And then the last session for Friday that I was able to go to was a session about band with Kira Brown. I was so happy. I went to the session. Really, she just had so many great reminders about like thinking about the great things that you're doing with your general music kiddos and how to apply them to band. And I like common sense tells me that I should be doing that. And I am to a certain extent, I was doing some of the stuff I do with general music um, students, but not as, and not to the extent that I should have been doing it. If I'm being completely honest with myself, I think it's easy with band or with anything that's really performance based like that to get into the mindset of like teaching to the concert. It's really easy to get into that mindset. So, um, this session was such a great reminder of how to think about all the different skills that you want students to develop and not just teaching to the concert, but how you develop their ear, you know, how to get them to play by ear and how to develop their memory skills and like all those great things that as musicians, they need to develop also to hold them accountable to certain goals. Like she shared this goal sheet that she gives out um, in every band class that has like the students writing, you know, what they're going to work on, what their goals are for next week, what days they plan on practicing, which I really love that idea because I've shied away from practice charts for several years because in my own experience, <laughs> when I was in band in junior high and high school, like there were times that I, I would practice, like I wasn't lying about practicing, but I would, I wasn't paying attention to how long I practiced, what days I practiced. And so I would make it up like, oh yeah, 30 minutes, I guess on Tuesday. Yeah, that sounds good. And then, you know, I would at, even ask my mom, Hey mom, can I forge your signature? And she'd be like, sure. <laughs> like, so I know, or there are times like, oh, yeah, she's fine with this. And I would write her name. I know that sounds so horrible, but like, I, I know kids are doing that, right? You know that, like, let's be honest, they're for, they're, they are probably practicing, hopefully, maybe, but they're forgetting to write it down. 
or they're forging their signature or they're forging their signature and not asking their parents permission or actually lying about whether they actually practiced. So I, I know all those things go on. So I've just shied away from like, you know, is it worth it for me to, you know, have students tally if they're not actually paying attention to what day they're practicing, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I really appreciated that with this practice chart, it was these, this is the plan I'm making. So I actually sat down. It's, I did have a little bit of time where I, I had to help decorate for the event that evening. And I sat down with my laptop as I was waiting for the event to start. And I typed up a goal sheet that was really similar to Kira's. I just adapted it a little bit for my own students. And I'm super excited about it. And I just think it really got me to think about beginning band in a whole new way um, and really just rejuvenate rejuvenated me for teaching band. And please don't touch me. <laughs> I swear to you, I am a rule follower and I'm an honest person. But I just know as a middle schooler, I was kind of making it up because I couldn't remember. All right. So lots of great sessions on Friday. I was really sad that I missed. Um, oh, I guess this is Saturday. Yeah, this was Saturday. I was really sad that I missed the choir concert on Saturday. Um, my friend Nissa Brown was conducting and I also have worked with Julia Shaw and she was conducting and I was really looking forward to it I really really wanted to see it but as co-chair I um, also knew that we had to decorate for um, the evening event which was after the choir concert we had to make sure everything was set for that and um, Carla my co-chair and um, Andrew and Katie, my friends, were all in the participant choir. They had to be there early, and they couldn't help decorate. They had, we had all decorated for the event the evening before. So I was like, you know what, I'll take this. It's okay. I can make sure everything is ready to go, and so I did that. But I heard so many great things about the concert. I mean, I just heard it was fantastic, and I'm, I'm really sad to have missed it. But I really love to go to those concerts because it really helps give you, you know, new repertoire ideas, but also just to hear what a choir can sound like. It's just awesome. All right. So then, yeah, after that, we had what's called the president's reception. It was luau themed. So everybody got a, a lay and Carla's husband, Jim, um, and his steel drum band came and performed, which was awesome. It was just a, such a fun way to um, end the day. All right, and then Sunday was the last day of the conference. Um, it started with a something new that we tried called a tech table or tech talk. Um, so our, our idea was to have like iPads and Chromebooks and kind of almost like stations that people could go to freely to try out different technology. Um, so Carla had kind of like a little station where she was discussing um, the website GradeCam which I can link to in the show notes. In fact, I was so busy doing my center, I, ha I still have not been able to check out GradeCam, so I'm excited to check it out. And then um, Carrie from Music Teacher Coffee Talk, if you listen to that podcast, she was doing uh, Seesaw and showing people how to use that as a digital portfolio. So that was really cool that she was doing that. And then I had kind of like a free exploration. I brought my school iPads and then a few Chromebooks and people were exploring uh, Chrome Music Lab, um, an app called Chatter Kids or Chatter Picks, which I've talked about before, which I learned about by listening to Cocktails and Kodai, um, the episode about um, the episode with Becky Knox, which I can link to that as well. 
um, she mentioned that app and it's a great app for solo singing. Um, so I had some people try that out. It's fun. It's like you take a picture, like a selfie of yourself, and then you draw a line where your mouth is. And then um, you record yourself singing. And then it looks like your mouth is moving, but it's like a static picture. And then you can add like stickers and filters and all sorts of stuff, um, which the kids love, my, the fifth graders loved. And it was funny because um, this week I went into, I'm on spring break right now, and I went into my classroom with my six-year-old Macy um, to clean up because I had a lot of instruments that were that had been used for the conference and all the bars were off of them. My room was just a disaster. So I wanted to clean all that up so I didn't have to come back to that on Monday after spring break. And um, I showed Macy this app and she just she just thought it was so cool. And she was like, not only singing into it, but she was doing nursery rhymes, like Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. And she just thought it was hilarious. So um, I showed Chatter Kids, uh, or otherwise known as Chatter Picks. And also, um, at first, I couldn't get my spectrums to work. And I was like, oh, no, I really want this to work. Like they were updating and taking a really long time. And then Andrew Ellingson, my good friend, Andrew Ellingson came in and saved the day and um, figured it out. He just had to X out of the app and open it back up. And it worked. Thank goodness, because that was kind of like the hit of my area was once spectrums were working, people were just like so fascinated by that. So that was really cool to see. Um, and we talked about spectrums in a previous podcast episode, and I will link to that as well. We were able to talk to Jenna Polensky from Spectrums if you're interested in checking that out. Um, but the idea of Spectrums is like um, you can set it up so that certain colors are certain pitches, and then you can play songs by touching pitches with this little ring. So fun. Um, so that was a re- that's the first time that we've done that, and it I really felt like it was a success. People were like super excited to try out different technology and just play around and it wasn't super structured. Um, But I think sometimes people need that where they're just kind of have the technology in their hands and are just trying it out. Um, I wasn't able to go to a session right after that because I had to pack up all the instruments and make sure everything was set to go. But then I was able to go to the Sunday Spotlight session, which was presented by Christopher Roberts, who is a friend of mine. And he was discussing um, music um, with like social and cultural issues and how you approach that in the music classroom, which was such a great topic. Again, kind of like Janelle's session where I felt like there were so many great discussions. I was really excited to hear the discussions that were being had in this session as well. So one of the um, issues he talked about was he played the didgeridoo for his students and discussed with them about how um, the didgeridoo is traditionally only played by boys or by men. And Um, discussed with the students or had them kind of explore that issue and what they thought about that. And I think there's so much power to just having a discussion with students instead of like telling them how they should feel, just saying, well, this is, you know, this is the way that it was, or this is why such and such was, um, you know, a tradition or whatever. What do you think about that? You know, just asking that question, posing, well, what do you think about that? Another example was Paw Paw Patch, which is so funny because I was actually just discussing the song with Andrew Ellingson and about if I wanted to do it differently because, you know, with Paw Paw Patch, typically you would have all the girls in one line facing all the boys in another. And first of all, you know, you have maybe some 
um, boys who identify as girls or some girls who identify as boys, or you also have students who are non-binary or they don't identify with either gender. So um, that is something that I think people are more aware of now. Um, I also haven't been crazy about the words pretty little, like we're aware is pretty little Susie. Um, but Christopher discussed how like with your students, you could have a discussion about um, why looks were more important um, because at, you know, at that point in society, women like kind of like their biggest job was to get married, right? So looks were more important. And again, having a discussion with students, they're like, well, what do you think about that? You know, not telling them how to feel, but what do you think about that? And I just think, again, those discussions are so great. And just really being thoughtful about what you're doing with students and, and different ways to approach it. Like the suggestion he had for Paw Paw Patch was that you could ha um, have students discuss whether they want to stay with the words pretty little or if they want to change it. And then what do they want to change it to? I think sometimes like I, I, and sometimes in like music teacher Facebook groups, I sometimes see people being judgy with one another and jumping to conclusions about, um, you know, uh, uh, and I think this is true of Facebook in general, like where people will jump to the conclusion of like, oh, well, you're racist or you're sexist or you're insensitive. And I think um, because of that, sometimes people shy away from um, A, discussing certain things, B, using certain songs, because then they're just scared off and they just, well, I'm not going to even do that song. So I think it's good for us as music teachers to talk about, to first of all, reflect on what songs we're doing. B, to um, reflect on why we want to do that song and what kinds of discussions we can have with our students about that song instead of just assuming, well, I shouldn't do that song because it has this, you know, this one word or it has this origin or it's someone said that I shouldn't, you know, to definitely think about uh, I mean, I'm not saying you, sh you know, you shouldn't shy away from many songs. There are some songs that I'm just not going to do anymore because they have some roots that I'm, I'm not going to go there. Um, but there are other songs that I think you could still do if you're um, thoughtful and if you have discussions and if you talk to your administrator and you have good reason. So I, it's just, again, just such great discussions, so thoughtful. And, and I think we need that, you know. So my big takeaways from the conference in general were in this first point, this big first takeaway, I, I first got from working with Joni, but also from listening to Fernando's um, speech and watching him work with the participant choir was process, not perfection. I think sometimes we as teachers, we as music teachers specifically, worry that our kids always have to sound beautiful and perfect. And of course, that's just not reality. So it's important for us to think about our process and to not worry about perfection because nobody's perfect. And along the lines of those great discussions, we won't have all the answers right away. I mean, some of these questions that people are beginning to really ask and be reflective about don't have simple answers, but the discussions are so important. So, you know, if you're unsure about something that you're doing in your music classroom, 
then ask. Ask someone that you know and trust and you know won't judge you. Maybe Facebook is not the best place for that, although I hope that there are still safe places. I know I have a Facebook group called Mrs. Miracle's Chat Room, and I can link to that in the show notes as well. Um, and I think that I've seen some great discussions in my group, and I feel like people are they feel safe enough to ask a question and aren't judged. I think the Facebook groups that get really big where you have like 15,000 or 20,000 people or something in some of those are probably harder to um, control the judginess because there are so many people in there. But like I said, even if you just ask a friend, you know, you have a trusted friend, have those discussions about, should I still be doing this song? What do you think about this? What do you think about this? How can I address this issue with students? There's just great things to think about. And then, of course, with any conference, taking the time to, re- to reflect and rejuvenate is so vital to us as people and as teachers. So I'm sure that some of you were listening were at the conference, and I really hope that you got a lot out of it, too. Um, but if you weren't there, hopefully you'll consider going to a conference in the future. Um, usually the OAKE conferences are in March. Um, I believe that the AOSA conferences are usually in November, at least the last one I went to was in November. So it's just, I think it's just great for us to be able to go to those and really think about our uh, craft. Let's talk about what I'm listening to. Um, Right before the conference started on Wednesday evening, before the conference officially started, um, my friends and I went to a Punch Brothers concert, which was really fun. Um, But the opener for the Punch Brothers was an artist named Gabriel Kahaney, I think is how you say his name. I can link to um, his music in the show notes as well. And my friend Stacy was also at this uh, concert. She's the one who originally told me about the Punch Brothers concert. So anyway, she described Gabriel Gabriel's music as Rachmaninoff meets Sufjan Stevens, and I thought that was such a great description of his music. Um, it was really different, but really awesome. Like his piano playing was just fantastic, um, and his lyrics and his singing, it was just a really cool juxtaposition. It was just really different. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm listening to. Thank you so much for listening today with a conference wrap up of how everything went. In my next podcast, I'm going to be discussing getting ready for the end of the year. And I know you might be thinking that's a little crazy because as you're listening to this, it's the beginning of April, but in my district, the end of the year is like, um, near the end of May. So we really don't have too much more time before the end of the year. So I'm going to discuss some strategies for um, really getting ready and preparing yourself for the end of the year. So thanks so much for listening and have a great day.